It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly. I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. This is going to be really, really terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. And before I forget, this episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. Try it free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N. That's once again, phonesites.com forward slash Brian. This week, I've been thinking about the idea of acceptance. I was talking with a coaching friend of mine about how people have a need to feel loved and accepted. Then he said something that blew my mind. We all want to be accepted. People prefer that, but it is not required. So let's think about that and unwrap it for a minute. High achieving people don't care what other people think of them. In fact, many people who achieved greatly were initially told that they couldn't do the thing they wanted to do. High achievers frequently are told to be realistic or to not take risks at all. But when you realize that acceptance by others is not required, it can be really liberating. It allows you to blaze your own path and fight for what you believe in. And if you think about it, some people will always support you. Others will never support you. You will never win everybody over no matter what you do. So just take the opportunity to follow your dream without regard for what other people think. After all, acceptance is preferred, but it is not required. So with all that in mind, I do want to introduce my guest. And before I forget, if you've not picked up my book, my latest book, it's called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. It's available on Amazon. The Kindle version is 99 cents. The paperback version is available as well. You can't even shake a stick at that. It's fantastic. Go ahead and grab that today, please. That'd be awesome. So here we are with my very special guest, Steve Cedarquist. Let me tell you about him. Steve Cedarquist was born and raised in Southern California. He spent his teen years working weekends and holidays with his dad before being indoctrinated into the family business. Since then, the sought-after contractor who first rose to stardom on the hit HGTV show Flip or Flop has become a savvy businessman who built his flourishing company, Steve Cedarquist Designs, from the ground up. He's worked on the homes of many celebrities over the years, including people such as Jerry Brookheimer, Nicolas Cage, Tarek El Moussa, and Christina Anstead. And as he worked with the set department at Paramount Pictures and Stephen J. Cannell Productions, in June this year, he launched his new book, which is called Get Out Alive, Surviving and Thriving After Drugs, Guns, Gangs, Dysfunction, and Crazy. It talks about how he created a successful renovation design company, became a season regular on Flipper Flop, and he's also an award-nominated philanthropist. We have a lot to talk about today, so let's unwrap it now, and let's get going with our very special guest, Steve Cedarquist. How are you, Steve? Hey, Brian. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for asking. It's been a very busy and productive day for me, hopefully as well for you. Yeah, absolutely. I loved your intro. Oh, I mean, thank that, you. That's pretty much the premise of how I am. So I, I love that. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. So the first thing I usually ask is, did you envision early in your life that you would be where you are today? Um, no, I didn't. I've um, 
No, I, I really didn't. It's funny you say that. I, I've always been kind of an entrepreneur, even as a young child. I mm-hmm. uh, was, you know, running around making money at some venture or another. And um, no, I, I never thought I would be sitting here at this time and moment. Wow. So tell us a little bit about how you got going. You said you had some entrepreneurial experiences when you were younger. What did that look like? When I was um, growing up and um, I was probably around six or seven years old and uh, growing up with an alcoholic parent Mm. and single parent, alcoholic parent, I was kind of left on my own devices to kind of just, you know, get out of the house. I was pretty much told, you know, every, you know, get out of the house, just leave. Your lunch will be on the front porch at noon. Um, Just stay out of the house because I'm going to clean. But mainly it was she was cleaning and drinking. So um, I would disappear. And what I would do, I kind of looking for things to do. I would go um, rummage through my neighbor's trash cans. I lived in a huge apartment complex and I would find things, you know, because people would move out a lot. So mm-hmm. you, I would get a lot of um, a lot of goods. I would get a lot yeah. of stuff. Yes. And I would talk to people in their garages and be like, hey, are you going to, you know, what are you doing with that? They're like, oh, just take it. So I would take it and I learned how to fix things, clean them up. And, um, so every weekend I would have garage sales. So I, I mean, I'm like, you know, seven years old and I'm having garage sales out, um, in the alley. Wow. So you, you flipped garage sale items, basically. I did. I started flipping early. <laughs> wow. That's, that's amazing. Were, were there examples of entrepreneurship in your family or where did you learn the idea that you could sell stuff? You know, I come from a family of inventors. So, um, inventors and entrepreneurs, um, my, um, entrepreneurs, sorry, the, uh, my, it started all my, my great grandfather, like he built, built the first Douglas aircraft in his cabinet shop in Zona Lavalin in Los Angeles. Um, he invented some certain barber scissors and on my mom's side, um, my seventh great grandfather was Samuel Morris invented the Morse code. So yeah, wow. there's been a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of a lot of great people in my family and my family. That, that was your grandfather. My seventh great grandfather was oh, your seventh great grandfather. Okay, yep, seventh great grandfather was Samuel Morris. That is absolutely fantastic. Wow. So you have a strong entrepreneurial lineage. That's wonderful. So let me ask you about your your current company. We talked about your first company. I'm sure there were some in between, but what were some of the challenges in building your current company? You know, I, it wasn't, there wasn't really much of a challenge. It's kind of funny you say that I, um, I started out with a home repair business. I mean, it was really small. I was working for kind of when, when I went through all my stuff and got my kids back and all that, I started a, uh, I was working for a law firm in their shipping department and I was running a small little home business on the weekends and nights and whenever I could get around to doing it. And I brought in an employee and then next, one thing led to another, and then the owner of the company was super nice guy, by the way, Jim Powell, owner of James Publishing, great guy. Um, he came to me and said, you need to do this full time. He said, this is your calling. You're, I know you're safe right now where you are, but you need to get out and do this. And he, he kind of gave me a friendly nudge uh, mm. to, to get the courage to, to go out there and do it. So I did. I rented a little small little warehouse across the street. And I still handled all of his maintenance work. I took on a property management company. <clears throat> I started flipping houses. I was doing, for realtors, I was doing light flips, nothing major. And then we had the, um, 
And then we had the crash in 2008. Mm-hmm. And that opened up, I grew 500% in less than a year. I mean, it, we went from two trucks to 17 trucks. Wow. Absolutely. So what great lessons did you learn early on that you think have served you today? Great lessons. Um, you know, I've always, it's funny because my, my, a lot of my friends tell me, they're like, dude, you, you have such a big heart and you, and you give, 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 you know? And I, and at first I, you know, I get burned a lot by people and, you know, I start making some money and I get burned here and there and, you know, and I'd always take the road like, you know what, it's okay. You know what, let, let them, it, it comes, it's full circle. And, and it's funny because I, I try not to get angry about it. I just say, well, they're just in a place. Maybe they need to kind of figure it out and figure out what they need to do. And, um, all right. So let me ask you this, Steve, what yeah. do you think it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? You know, I, it's dedication. And I think, um, you know, it, it depends what you define as successful. Yeah. I always look at my position is I'm the guy that, you know, if I'm on top of the mountain, I'm, I'm looking down who's coming up next to me or coming up, trying to beat up here with it. I'll reach my hand out to help them. There's two different types of people that call themselves successful. There's the guy that reaches his hand down and helps the other person up or the guy that when they put a hand up, he puts his foot out and shoves them off, off the mountain. Um, I'm, I'm the guy that reaches out and helps because I think that we we're all in this together. You know, yeah. I think we all need to work together. I think, especially now in these crazy times, I think we all need to be, um, helpful and be a helper. That's kind of been my, um, there's a really good video, um, yeah. on uh, gold coast and it's, his name is Shah, Shah's Khan. And he did this, um, how to, how to live, how to have a live a successful life. Mm. And if you watch that video, it, it's pretty much how I live my life. It's you, you, you learn to be a helper in this world. And that way you, you get to take and all, everything, all the good that comes with it comes back and serves you well. Oh yeah. That sounds like a great video. Is that on YouTube? Yeah, it is. Please look it up. It's Shaz Khan on Gold Coast. And he's, it, you know, it'll change your life watching that video. It changed mine. I mean, it, yeah. it changed my whole perspective. Yeah. Of like, you know, I mean, this, I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you how, how it has and, and just how it's served me well for the past numerous of years. That's fantastic. We've got about a minute or so to our break. Why do you think most people don't start businesses? They're scared. And, yeah. And um, I think that you don't, it's all in mindset. You, you get, like you were talking about in your intro, uh, people, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't believe in themselves. And then they've got, you know, doubters, naysayers, haters saying, oh, you, you can't do that. You can't mm-hmm. do this. You can't do that. And I think that it's more about, it, it's more about mindset. And you've got to, like you said, you don't need approval. You, right. you, you, you need to just convince yourself, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And you need to learn that there are going to be those people in your life that say that, but you need to distance yourself from them and say, well, yeah. you can believe what you want to believe, but your acceptance is not, is not mandatory. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times people are projecting their own insecurities and shortcomings upon others. And they say, well, if basically what they're really saying is because I can't do it, you can't either. And that's not true. So we're coming up against our first break. This is Success Profiles Radio. My guest is Steve Cedarquist, and we will come right back on the other side and we will talk about his book and so much more. Be right back. Don't go away. This is Success Profiles Radio.
The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. It's Merging Day. Emergency room nurse will tell you they receive some weird and wild calls. I used to be the night ER nurse at Hennepin County General Hospital in Minneapolis and remember getting a call from someone who was worried about if it mattered or not if their belly button was an innie or an outie. It doesn't matter, but if you're an outie, you are definitely the minority. Still, that's good news because you don't have to worry about a little problem that people with innies have. Pledge it. That's another word for belly button lint. Researchers say the color of the pledget in your belly button is related to the clothing you wear, just like the lint that collects in your clothes dryer. A friend of mine from the Philippines says they call it a chikachu. What do you call a person who's obsessed with their belly button? An omphalopsikite. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Steve Cedarquist. And if you've not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio, please do that. Leave a review. That would be really, really fantastic. And uh, if you've not picked up my book, again, it's called Success Profiles Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. It's on Amazon. I'd love for you to pick that up. But, Steve, let's talk about your book, Get Out Alive. Why did you decide to write this? Well, it's uh, kind of a twofold. This is uh, what happened. I had a um, – in the company I had, I had a large construction company that I sold. And I, um, when I sold it, a lot of crazy things happened right literally like a month after I sold it where I was still working for them. But my sister came down with uh, pancreatic cancer and subsequently died two months later. Oh. Um, my girlfriend uh, got breast cancer. And uh, was diagnosed with uh, stage uh, late stage three breast cancer, and then um, I had an accident where I fell between two stories and broke my neck and my back. Oh! So this was all in a matter of like sixty days. All this happened, crazy stuff. Oh! So I remember being at home, and I get a call um, because my girlfriend and I had broken up before her cancer diagnosis, but. We had gotten back together afterwards, but um, a friend of mine, her mom had called me and she had said, hey, are you open to clairvoyant messages and things? And I said, well, I've never really been into that. I said, but what do you got? You know, I'm always open. Um, anyway, so what happened was uh, she called me and she said, hey, and, and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. And she said, by the way, um, Susan wants you to know that Samantha is healthy and she's happy and she's with me. Oh. And she says, do you know a Susan? I said, no, I don't know who Susan is. So she, uh, I hung up 
Five minutes later, I literally fell out of my chair. I was standing up and I kind of tripped and I was like, holy crap. Susan was my mom. I didn't, my mom had died 28 years ago. I didn't really put the correlation together at the time. So I called her back and I said, wow. She says, dude, when you said you'd open the door, she says, I've got all these people trying to, that you would help throughout the years. And they're trying to get messages to you. And they've come through me since we've opened that door. And I said, wow. Okay. I never was a believer in this kind of stuff. And you yeah. know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I'm just, you know, a little bit, it was a little bit thick for me, but anyway, long story short was she told me all these people were said, you know, Hey, when you were, you were helping them, apparently you used to do some kind of speaking things and talk to people. And I said, yeah, I did it for 18 years. When I got out of jail and I was raising my kids, I got out of my own head and put myself into helping others. And I, um, in doing so, uh, apparently I helped a lot of people that had died. They were in recovery, but they went back out. So my book, Get Out Alive, is I, I wrote this book specifically with this name, and it's all intentional that I'm trying to help people that are alive now that have that are in this disease. And you need to get out now, get out of this craziness that you're in. Uh, like we just talked during the break about, you know, not my circus, not my monkeys. You need to get out of that mess that you're in and the people you're around and actually do something about it and change your life before you don't have a life. Yeah. So that's why I wrote the book. I wrote the book. I did a lot of interviews, a lot of people in the book. If you, if you've read it, um, I, I interviewed a lot of people. I didn't want to make it about me, me, me. I wanted it to, sh to share with other people. I wanted to identify, um, with everybody. I have, I have a lot of friends in the LGBTQ community that, you know, encouraged me to write the book. And, um, and I just, I, I felt that it was time. And I really, my goal was not to make money with this book. I don't care about the money. And I've said that before. I'll give the book away free. I don't care. Um, I want to help people. I think that, you know, especially today with what we're living in and what we're going through and the suicide rate up as high as it's ever been, it, it's crazy. And um, I just want to give hope, people hope and strength and encouragement that, you know what, we got this. This isn't going to, you know, you, you, you got this. You just need to believe in yourself and believe yeah. in your abilities. So that's why I wrote the book. Wow. That's a fantastic story. So obviously part of this book is about how you overcame, you know, addictions and being in jail and, and helping other people. So when you have an addictive personality, how do you recognize it and make the changes you know you need to make? Um, you know what, how I recognized it was I, um, it's interesting because I never really understood what an addictive personality was until I, I started, you know, got out of it and got into, you know, the book and into my life, my life today. And I think that identifying it is when you find yourself being like obsessed with whatever it is you're doing and you and you're you, you find like when I started using drugs, it was like. I had to have them. I had to do them. It was the euphoria, the, the, everything was great on it. And, but it, it ends up so controlling, you know, because of that power of addiction, you, the, you lose sight of everything around you, the people around you, the people you're hurting around you. And you end up making, you have so much damage and collateral damage that you end up doing that. It's just, it's becomes, it's so toxic. Yeah, it absolutely is. So a lot of that also has to do with the environment that you choose to put yourself in. That's, of course, extremely critical, too. Yes. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You, um, you, you need to be able to identify it. I think uh, first step in anything is being able to identify it, right? If you, yes. if you know that you're, you know, I've got a, something going on, you, you need to take a step back and you need to change your mindset. I listened to, um, have you heard of Joe Dispenza? Yes. Okay. So Joe, um, I listen to Joe a lot. I study Joe a lot, and I and I think that you can overcome anything with your mindset and changing your mind. You can come over addictions. You can come over anything. So what I do is I, I I try to understand my me a little bit and understand like, hey, dude, I really want to put myself in that position, no matter what it is. You know, I I replaced. Um, do you remember? Do you remember the old Cheech and Chong? You remember them back? In the yes, day? yes. Okay, so you remember you remember that saying like, "Hey, I used to be messed up on drugs, and now I'm messed up on the Lord." You know, yeah. it's, like, uh-huh. it's like that. We we go in and we try to replace something with with that. And I know that we see a lot of that in uh, recovery programs where we see a lot of it. And I want to encourage people a lot that um, that are going maybe considering going in a program. You're going to get some of that. You get, you know, we're all a bunch of messed up people and. You're going to get people that actually, you know, they go from one extreme. Now they're like, they're all about recovery and you, you know, you can't even smoke cigarettes and uh, you can't do that. You know, you just, you need to kind of learn the balance and learn that, you know, you, you got to, sometimes you got to find what works for you. It may, that may not be NA, AA, BA, it may be some other kind of program. You just need to figure out what is going to work for you in your genre and your situation. Yeah. Yeah. We referenced not your circus a minute ago because we talked about that during break. But when we're in a bad situation, it's usually because we have created our own circus, but we can uncreate it, too. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You you have to decide that it's just not you don't you don't want that. I mean, some people thrive on drama. I think it's, um, you know, and I've I used to have a lot of people like that were around in my life at some time or another, even during my addiction. They love the drama and the chaos and and the, you know, all the stuff that goes with it. And I found that um, removing those type of people from my life and being more, just more like being around more like-minded people like myself, I find that um, we, we all have the same goals. Our goals are a little bit more about you know, wanting to help other people, but um, in a way that's not going to hurt us and yeah. also be of service of people. And wanting to be and to give back in a way that's going to be something that, you know, for a legacy. You know, you yeah. want to leave leave a good, a good image and a good response to leave a good image in this world and a good legacy. Absolutely. So, what did starting over for you look like? Um. Well, I got I, I got I got clean uh, when I went to jail. Yeah. Uh, not right away. I actually used drugs in county jail for a minute. And I had a real, a real come to Jesus moment. I call it where I was in a, I was in a gang. I was in high powered IRC, which is a one man glass cell where they watch you the whole time because you're high powered. And, um, I remember I had wrote all these letters. I had this little teeny golf pencil and I had been cleaning my cell all night with toilet paper because I was high. I was using speed at the time. And, and um, I remember the, the jailer came to bring me my food and he had said, he looked, I hand him like nine letters and he goes, do you really want me to send these? And I go, well, yeah, of course. And he goes, nobody wants to hear from you, dude. You're a loser. You're in here. You're a loser. And I, and I just like, I was so 
prideful at the time. And, you know, and I, I resisted. I'm like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, that pride kicked in. And, and I just, um, after he left and after I had time to think about it, you know, I was able to kind of, ah, maybe he's right. You know, maybe I am. So I stopped using and I was like, no, I don't, this is what got me in here. And that's what he, that's what the cop said to me on the way. He goes, what, what got you in here? Drugs. And you guys are all using drugs in here because we, he goes, you guys are entertainment for us. And I was like, wow. Okay. Wow. So it, yeah, it was, uh, not, not a, not a good situation. So with that being said that I, um, I made a conscious decision not to, not to use any longer. And then, um, a few days after that, we were going to court and I remember the bus pulling out from the jail because you had the jail on one side, my children were right next door at uh, Orangewood Children's Home, and then you had Juvenile Hall. It's all in Orange County. Mm-hmm. It's all right there. Yeah. Civic Center Drive right there, or not Civic Center, it's by the city drive. And I remember the bus driving out, and I remember the bus stopped for some of the construction, and I looked over, and there was my 16-month-old son, and my daughter was a little bit away from him, and he was just sitting on a swing looking down. You know, and all the other kids were having fun, and I screamed out the window at him because I was in this little cage on the bus, and the window opened up by two inches, and he came running over to the fence and put his arms out. And I, um, that that was like, you know, everybody has their garden to send to me, you know, and I and I kind of felt that was mine. I felt yeah. between that cop telling me what he told me, seeing my son, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Wow. It was like, wow. You know, look at me, Mr. Prideful, thinking I'm a tough guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We've got less than a minute to our our break. I want to ask you how important gratitude is for you. Gratitude is uh, probably one of my top top two. I I am so grateful. And waking up every morning, I, I literally wake up on my knees, just grateful I'm alive and I have another day. I wake up with two miracles every day, and that's my two eyes, you know, that I'm able to see. Yeah, that's absolutely great. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest is Steve Cedarquist. His book is called Get Out Alive, Surviving and Thriving After Drugs, Guns, Gangs, Dysfunction, and Crazy. We're going to talk about the book some more. We're going to talk about Flipper Flop because I'm sure a lot of you listening have watched or have heard of it. I love that show. I love all those HGTV shows. And I, I fantasize about owning some of those homes. They're, they're just absolutely amazing. So we'll talk more about his book. We'll talk about Flipper Flop, and we will carry this to the end. We are halfway through. Please stay with us. Don't go away. This is Success Profiles Radio. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Have you ever thought about writing a book? 
Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Steve Cedarquist. And if you've not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio, please do that. Leave a review. That would be really, really fantastic. I would love to ask you, Steve, when we were talking about recovery, you have to set boundaries. And even if you're not in recovery, setting boundaries around what you will and will not allow is super important, especially with those you love. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I um. I do. I set boundaries with my kids. I set boundaries with my friends. I set boundaries in business. I, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm all about that. I think that it's, it's super, it's important for me. And I, I, I tell people all the time, I, I do this for, for, for my health and mm-hmm. my mental health and my mental well being and, and the energy around me. I don't, I don't really want, um, any, I, I call them, um, you, okay. I'm sure you know the kind of people I'm talking about. Right. They, they walk around and they've got jumper cables and they're hooked on their earlobes. Yes. And, and they come around and they're like, "Hey, do you have a minute?" And you're like, "No, I'm good." Because what they want to do is hook up to you and just suck every bit of energy out of you mm-hmm. to start their dead their dead weak batteries. Yeah. You know, and I'm not that guy. I'm. No. I mean, I'll give you. I mean, if you're if your mind if your mind is like, "Hey, look, I need help," or "I want this," great. Let's talk about positive, proactive things we need to do to get you there. But bring in misery and your, you know, like we talked earlier about, you know, bringing your circus and your monkeys and that ain't yeah. going to happen. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Right. Absolutely. And you hold the key to your own freedom. A lot of people don't even realize that. When did you realize that you held the key to your own freedom? Um, I think when I, I think probably when my boss uh, at the publishing company kind of gave me a nudge and said, you need to do this. What are you doing? Yeah. I think that was all I needed to go. It was like I, I felt that uh, he was giving me a push start, and I put I let the clutch go, and you know popped it in first gear, and I was ready to roll. And uh, wow. and it went pretty it went pretty rapidly, quick, like quick, quick when I did that. Yeah, in your book you talk about planning your life and reflecting on your life in blocks of time. Tell us about that. Well, I think um, what's what you need to do is set your goals and set your priorities with your goals. And, and don't get derailed from them. I, what I like to do is I, I create uh, goal sheets. I do them. Um, I do my goal sheets once a month, and then I go back and I look at them on a weekly basis to figure out what I need, what I did, what I, where I'm at with them, where I need to improve on them, where I need to go, you know, and more, just kind of building from that. So I don't do like the New Year's Eve resolution things. I do them on a weekly basis because I feel that that way I'm on it, I'm accountable, and I'm, I'm accountable to myself. And if I'm falling short on something, because we all have that propensity to say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I really, I really, I really need to do that. I really should yeah. do that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do that. And, you know, maybe on New Year's I'll make that resolution. But you know yeah. what? You, you don't. 
you, you don't do it. And then if you even do write it, or write it, most people don't even write it down. They just say they're going to do it. Yeah. You got to put it in your calendar. You got to put it in your, you know, I use my calendar and my, and God bless Microsoft because they, you know, let me know every morning, like, Hey, this is where you're at. And I yeah. do, I'm really into devotions and I am as well. Good. Fantastic. How powerful has it been to write your own eulogy? Um, you know what? It's funny you say that because I just I just got it back today. I was uh, I was just over the printer. I made I made copies of it because I wanted to send it to my kids. Wow. I think you think of mortality. I think of you. Um, I, I think of what I think of more mortality, and I think of writing my own eulogy is I want to be remembered as someone who gave back and yeah. someone who um, didn't live with regrets and someone who felt compassion for other people and was, like I said, a helper. You know, I think that, you know, I don't know how many times I've sat with people that were dying and they have, they have so many regrets, you know, and I've sat with a lot of them. I've, I've had a lot of people die in my life and a lot of them due to disease, a lot of them due to alcoholism, drugs, suicide, whatever. And, um, you know, I think that it's important to you. You've got to be able. Here's here's the secret. You, you first of all, getting out of your own head. Yeah. Got to first of all, you've got to love yourself. Yes. And second, you have to forgive yourself because if you don't love yourself, you've got nothing to give. You can't love anything. You can't love other people. You can't love a desire to want to be a better person. You don't if you're stuck. You know, it's like that U2 song. If you're stuck in that moment, you, you really need to try to say, you know what? First of all, I got to forgive myself. I'm, yes. I, I'm a work in progress. I may not get it right today, but I'm, I'm going to try and yeah. learn to be forgiving, loving, and be able. And I'm telling you, it'll that those two things alone will change your life. Absolutely. Let's talk about flip or flop. What was it like yeah. getting on that show? <laughs> That's funny. That's uh, I was sitting. I was sitting on my couch, and my kids were home, and we were watching Flipper Flop season one. And I, 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 my my daughter looked at me and she says, "You can do a better job than that guy." And I said, "Well, I don't know about that." I said, "But she goes, why don't you why don't you email him or something?" And I said, "Well, all right." So she found it for me on Facebook, and we we Facebook messaged them. And within like five minutes, we got a message back and they said, Hey, we, we know who you are. We, we know you're a flipper and we'd love to talk to you. Wow. And it was like kind of gulp, you know, you're like, I haven't been in show business in a long time. Um, so I, he, I go, when he goes tomorrow, I'll meet you at this, gave me an address of a house. So I met Tarek, um, over at uh, a house in Westminster, California. And he asked me, what would you do? I said, well, what's my budget? Gave me a budget. I said, I'll do this, this, this. He says, I said, do you want to pick out? He goes, no. He goes, I've seen your work. You do it. Wow. So I did it. Two weeks later, he came back, um, loved it. And he said, Hey, we, we would love to have you on TV. Um, we need a contractor for the show. Would you be willing? And I said, um, yeah, sure. So he said tomorrow morning, he says, I need you to start filming tomorrow morning. So I talked to the network, I talked to production, we got it all set up and uh, went up there and there I go. Went up there and looked at the house and started on the house. That's fantastic. Any funny or outrageous stories from the show that you can share? 
<laughs> yeah, we had uh, Tark's gonna kill me for this one, but um, we had a, we had a house we did in Long Beach. It was uh, it was on season three, and it was called uh, Abort. It was uh, it was on uh, it was yeah it was uh, Abort Flip or Abort, and it was a. Uh, we were trying to find something and to, to do. So me and the producer, he's like, can you, is there anything you can do to get back at Tarek? He was in kind of a cranky mood that day. And I said, sure. I said, let him go in the bathroom and pull on the, um, cause we had just demoed the bathroom. And I said, let him go in the bathroom and pull on the plumbing. So I sent one of my plumbers under the house with a hose with a spray nozzle. So as soon as he touched the plumbing, I told my plumber into the house to let him have it. And he, <laughs> I mean, he he drenched him, and Tark mm. Tark was so mad. It was uh, it was so funny, and that that house was um, house was pretty funny. We actually, if you looked at some of those scenes where one of my guys at work company fell through the floor, that was actually like a real thing. He was just checking on it to see if it was strong, and he went right through the floor. So um, yeah, we we've had a lot of fun times. I mean, wow. We a lot of stuff we couldn't catch on camera. We had, uh, gosh, I mean, we we had a lot of laughs. Uh, it yeah. was uh, it was real fun working with uh, Tarek and Christina. Were they're 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 amazing people and fun to work with. Yeah. Did you ever recreate stuff that you didn't get on film the first time? Um, I stopped doing like on the very first episode I did. We had a patio in the back. I started demoing it on one side and it was so bad with termites and rotted out. And I looked at the producer and I said, dude, this the only thing that's holding this thing up is the termites must be holding hands. And he goes, Oh gosh, I love that line. You, you stop demoing. You, you would tar gets here. You need to pull it down on that side and say the same thing. Oh. Um, it, it, yeah. Cause that, I mean, if you had walked on the thing, you probably would have fell through it. It was that bad. Uh, so yeah, that, that was something we had to recreate. Yeah. They're doing just to recreate that one scene. That's funny. I'm sure some people listening, might wonder how much of this is real and how much of this is staged. You know, I don't, nothing's really staged. I, I remember one episode that I wasn't involved with. I think it was Izzy and they threw all the pizza boxes. It was a house in Anaheim. And um, I know that neighborhood really well. And I, mm-hmm. and I, and I even asked Izzy, I said, dude, did you throw all those pizza boxes? He goes, I'm not saying anything. So mm. I don't know for a fact, but I, it kind of seemed like it might have been. I don't know. I mean, but nothing, nothing in regards to, um, to the uh, show in, in regards to like any of the work that needs to be done. Now, that's all, that's all real stuff that needed to be done. Wow. That's fantastic. We've got about a minute, minute and a half. Uh, does the television aspect complicate things or does it help things um it delays things um i know and that's why i kind of scaled back um i was you know i was on season two three and four part of five and i was doing you know four four or five houses at a time and it it did because you would find something they're like oh you got to stop wait for two days from now until we have production here and i'm like oh are you kidding me seriously and so it delayed it delayed the project a lot yeah. Uh, so yeah, my job slowed down a lot. So I would have to add an extra two months on a project, you know, to do that. Oh, sorry about wow. that. Wow. Well, we're coming up against our next break. My very special guest this week is Steve Cedarquist, and his book is called Get Out Alive, Surviving and Thriving After Drugs, Guns, Gangs, Dysfunction, and Crazy. He also has been a regular on the HGTV series Flipper Flop, and you're still on that show, right? Yep. 
I, um, I work on the show. I work with Tarek uh, quite a bit. All right. We're going to come back after the break, and we are going to talk about uh, investment properties some more. We're going to talk about finding par par partners to work with and how Steve maybe has handled a little bit of his fame. We'll come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Steve Cedarquist. And we talked about his book. And now we're talking about Flip or Flop, which he still works on. And if you've not subscribed to Success Profiles Magazine, you can go to successprofilesmagazine.com. And you can subscribe there. And my most recent issue came out just a week or so ago. And we're working on the next issue right now. So, Steve, I would love to ask you, because you are on TV you probably get recognized now. Does it throw you off when people recognize you on TV? No, I'm actually flattered. I get um, I get it a lot, actually. I, I depends on where I'm at, but like if I'm at the airport, I, I get a lot from cops. I get a lot of I get a lot of police officers that um, that recognize me, or I like uh, I get pulled over and you know they'll recognize me, or um, I got I've been pulled over like two or three times. It's weird in this past year. I hadn't been pulled over in so long, like 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I got, and they were just dumb things. They, one, yeah. my car looked like it was, uh, cause I didn't have license plates on it. And they thought we were, um, they thought we were, uh, in a wrong neighborhood. I had a, yeah. So they pulled us over, but then they're like, Oh, you guys look okay. We were going to a, to a uh, Halloween party. Oh. <laughs> so we were all dressed up and I had a, a couple other stars in my car and, uh, they were like, Oh, we know you too. Wow. So, yeah, we get, we get a lot, but, you know, we're just humbled and, you know, people want to take pictures and it's great. I, I love it. It's um, I get I get people that email me, call me, you know, wanting, you know, they'll ask about the show, too. They're like, hey, we saw this particular material and where'd you get it at? I'm like, oh, I got it here. And I always try to help connect people. I just did yesterday. Somebody right. saw me on a rerun and said, hey, this floor, where did you get it? You know, so, yeah, I'm always willing to help. I think it's great. That's fantastic. And while you just mentioned that, you also help people who want help flipping, right? I do. Yeah, I, um, I've i gone actually all over the country to help people. I've gone um, as far away as New York where people have, uh, you know, 
and basically what I what they do is they'll call us and we'll look at the project and then we'll we'll let them know what our cost will be to go out there and kind of um, it depends on what they want exactly what they want from us when we get there if they just want advice verbal advice great we'll go out there tell you what we think you should do uh, we do that with people who buying homes too they uh, they want to buy a house but they don't know what it's really going to cost to yeah. do it you know the way they want to do it so they'll they want an unbiased opinion. And like yeah. sometimes I don't have a construction crew in Michigan, but they'll call me and say, we're going to buy this house on the lake. What do you think? So what we'll do is we'll get our network of people. We'll go out there. We'll figure it out. Um, sometimes we'll even consult on the project uh, just to, and let them know. Or if they want a total design, we can design it remotely and send them the complete design. Whatever, wow. whatever they want to do, we are, we're willing to help. Yeah, if someone wants to get started flipping houses and they've never done it before, what advice would you give right off the top? Do your homework and do. Um, I, I just counseled people the other day on a house here, and I um, they asked me, you know, what what do we do? I said, well, I would recommend first of all you get find out where the house is at uh, in regards to market, get a get a current value of the house. If you're buying it like from family or whatever, figure out. What you're going to need to do, make sure you get three, three, you know, legitimate bids. Figure out what it's going to take you time-wise. Um, you got to figure all those costs in there. What what people don't figure is you, when you flip a house, you not only have the expense of the realtor, you have the expense of your if you're doing hard money. Um, hard money loans come with high interest yes. and they points. So with that, you got to calculate that into your timeline. So if you're Looking at a house and you figure, okay, my contractor looking at it says it's going to be a three months, so I got to carry that loan for three months. You got to use those numbers, figure out, okay, so this is going to go into my bottom line. And then, last of all, you got to figure out your taxes. Whatever oh, yes. And you got to figure out where you're at with your taxes on all this. And then, you know, just do all the numbers and make sure the numbers match up and you're going to make money and don't overspend it. Oh, last, oh, one thing. Get an inspection. Spend the money, even if you know, even if you don't end up buying the house. Inspection is going to run you about three hundred bucks. Get a home inspection. It's going to tell you exactly what's wrong. You don't want to buy something and find out you've got major foundation problems, and it's going to cost you forty thousand that wasn't included in your budget. Oh, absolutely. So as we sit here in the middle of two thousand twenty, and the market in real estate where it is, where do you think the future of flipping houses is right now in this economy? I think it's going to be great. I think we're going to get past this uh, pretty soon. I mean, looking at um, everything that's going on and with the remedies and the vaccines and everything, I think we'll be back up and running by 2020 or uh, 2021. Sorry. I think that um, I think we'll be good. I think it's a good time to invest right now. Um, and a, you can two different points of what you can do. If you have liquid cash and you want to invest it in something, invest, uh, rent the house out for a couple of years. You know, buy it as is, clean it up, rent it out, get the money flowing back in to get paid back some of that return. And then when the market turns back around a little bit, within I'd say within a year, year and a half, you'll be fine. And I think we'll be back up in a, in a positive market again. Absolutely. And, of course, you've owned and flipped property, too. What was your first investment like? Oh, gosh. My first investment was a condo um, in Costa Mesa. Um, I, did real, I did real well with that. I um I've, oh gosh, I've owned, can't even tell you the number I've owned and still own. Uh, I don't know. I had, I had fun. I mean, I made my mistakes. I mean, who yeah. doesn't? 
I, um, I, and I only tell people these because I'm, I'm human and I, I, I bought some, I, you know, I used to buy courtroom steps where you couldn't, um, you know, you couldn't go inspect the house and, you know, and I was competing and I got, you know, you get caught up in the moment and I overpaid for a couple houses and it affected my, what I really wanted to do with the house and the money I made. I mean, I did okay. I didn't really lose, but I did make, I probably made less than 10 grand. Wow. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this, because obviously this is not something you can do alone. How do you find partners to work with? How do you know who you might be able to trust? Um, you know, it's, I think it, you know, it's like, it's like anything, any business decision, anything you do, it's, it's about having, making sure who you're doing business with is um, reputable and above reproach. And you guys have a joint account and you do the proper LLC and you, you have it all spelled out and you make sure that that person has a good, a good reputation because you don't want to be dealing with someone who doesn't have good, you know, good morals, good values, right. you know, and you get caught holding the bag. Right. Absolutely. So what do you think is your superpower? What do you do better than anyone else? My superpower would be, I would say that I'm, I'm probably uh, Mr. Compassionate. I try to be as uh, loving and caring and forgiving. That's my superpower. I love that. That's great. So what do very few people know about you that might surprise us? People know me that would surprise them would be that I give back more than I probably say I do because I don't really want people to think that I'm doing it for show. Right. I, um, I don't think we're, you know, I'll just leave it with that. I, I don't, I don't think I'm better than anybody. I, um, I, you know, the guy that's, you know, the other day, this guy was in front of a liquor store and he looked down and down, you know, and, and everybody was just kind of walking around. I'm like, Oh dude, you know, mm -hmm. I went in and got some water and I had a, you know, I was getting a little something to eat and chips or whatever I was getting. And I thought, you know, and I, and I, so I asked him, I said, Hey, are you, are you, are you hungry or thirsty dude? And he's like, wow. Yeah. Matter of fact, I am. And I said, great. So I don't give them money because I know that they're going to go out and, you know, be stupid with it. I'm not yeah. projecting. I don't know if they are or not, but more than likely the odds are there. So I went and got him food and I got him water and I went out there and I sat with him for 10 minutes and I just asked him like, so what happened? Where, where are you at with your head? And he gave me the story, you know, and, um, um, so I gave him some really good and hopeful, encouraging, you know, messages, but I'm never too busy to recognize, you know, I used to be when I was super busy, but I think that I'm slowed down now. And I think that I, I enjoy that more because I'm able to reach out to more people and touch more lives. So superpower yeah. and things people don't know about me, kind of combination into one there. Fantastic. Who's the most influential mentor you've ever encountered? Uh, that would be my dad. Mm. I'd be my dad. My dad was amazing. My dad helped me when I first started my business. My dad was my biggest supporter. Even during my hard times, he always was trying to be encouraging to me. And, you know, he's the one that would send me letters and do things for me. And then my sister was right behind him. Mm -hmm. But my dad was, uh, you know, it was a really special bond between my dad and myself. Absolutely. If you could talk... Oh, I was going to say, if you could talk to the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell him? Um, love yourself and forgive yourself. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you think 18-year-old you would have believed it? Uh, ran away from home at 17, feeling mm. unloved, unwanted, 
Uh, probably not. I probably yeah. wouldn't have. But I wish, uh, you know, everything. I, I also brought, I did a movie last year. And I played a chef in a movie. And I, um, in, the, in the movie, the premise of the movie was, it, it was called Reason. And I, I read the script when I did it. And it was, do things happen for a reason or purpose? And I, and I was like, yes, they do. So I, I believe that everything that's happened to me, happened to me for a reason and a purpose. And I don't have regrets. That's beautiful. So the question I asked toward the end of the show, and we've got a couple minutes left, who inspires and motivates you? Um, inspires and motivates me would probably, uh, be my, my daughter would be, mm. would be number one on that. Um, I think a lot of my, um, I listen to Eddie Pinero a lot on YouTube. Eddie's awesome. I love Eddie. I'm a world within. I love Eddie and some Joe Dispenza. Yes. And I, um, you know, listening to them and then getting in the moment, getting my head in the right place in the morning with my affirmations. Uh, I, and I'm ready to rock and roll. And one last person is uh, a person I love and uh, love and respect who we, we, we call and fire each other up is uh, Dr. Levi Harrison, a uh, very famous orthopedic surgeon, a uh, very good friend of mine and uh, has a radio show as well. And he's just amazing. So we call each other uh, at least a few times a week and just pump each other up. That's fantastic. So where can we find you, learn more about you, reach out to if we want your help or want to learn more? I, I'm really easy to get a hold of. Um, you can reach me at um, my email is my name, steve.cedarquist at gmail.com. You can reach me on Instagram at Steve Cedarquist or one of my Facebook pages at Steve Cedarquist. Um, that's that's pretty much it. I'm easy. I'm easy to find. If you've got a question, concern, something going on, please reach out. If you also see my book and you can't afford it, let me know. I'll send you a digital copy. Fantastic. Thank you, Steve, for being here. It was wonderful having you here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Brian. Thank you. You bet. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. And every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I interview another world-class achiever. Join us then to learn what they did to succeed, what they overcame, and all the things that we can draw from it. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.